0: Thank you, Kyle. One of the great blessings of having Kyle full time is that I get to hear him practice during the week. You should come hang out with me and listen to Kyle practice. We are beginning a series on joy. The idea for this series came from the Christmas verse in Luke 2 that talks about the good news of great joy. And so I wanted to talk about what joy is. We talk a lot about and around the idea of joy during Christmas, but I really wanted to dig in to what joy is. So today we're going to be looking at that Luke 2 verse, and we're also going to be looking at Galatians. And we're ultimately going to be seeing how joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Here's what Luke 2 verses 8 through 14 tell us. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in heaven is highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And then when we look at Galatians 5, we see a listing of what is called the fruits of the Spirit. This is Paul speaking to the people in Galatia. And here's what Paul says. The fruit of the Spirit is love This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God God indeed. So I went on a little search this week. I wanted to try and understand what would make people happy. Mainly, I was thinking about in my life what brings happiness. And this idea came to me that I often think something like this. I will be happy when blank. Right, you fill in the blank, whatever that is. I will be happy when, and so I knew what mine was, and I'll tell you about that in a second, but I wanted to know what other people thought when, they, when I asked the sentence, you'll be happy when blank. So I said, finish this sentence. I will be happy when, and so this is what I got. Some of them, not all of them. I got, I will be happy when um, Georgia is national champion again. I mean, some of you can relate to that statement. Uh, Somebody said, I will be happy when I pay all my credit cards off. Somebody said, I will be happy when somebody notices me. Another person said, I will be happy when I'm not sick anymore. Somebody else said, I will be happy when my spouse and I get along. And then somebody who obviously is Eeyore, said, I will be happy when I die. That was my husband, by the way. I said, really, babe? You'll be happy when you die? And he's like, well, that was just the first thing that came to mind. I was like, Okay. There's this thing, right? I will be happy when, and I have been living in a season of I will be happy when for way too long. I know better than to live in a season of I will be happy when, but I'll tell you, it started three years ago when I started my doctoral program and the process of being finally completely ordained. I'm provisionally ordained. It's kind of like a resident at a hospital, right? You have to spend so many years in ministry before they give you the, okay, you're good to go. So I started this last season. These last three years have just been this slog of writing and writing and writing and writing and studying and writing and reading if you haven't seen me around here I had to explain to Kyle because I'm usually here alone sometimes and when I'm alone I frequently walk in the fellowship center just in circles while I'm reading because it keeps you awake while you're reading right so I read scripture I think about scripture I talk to read lots of stuff while I'm walking in circles and so I had to come out I had to tell him I said listen if you see me walking in circles in the fellowship hall I'm okay I really am. I might be a little crazy, but I'm okay. And so Friday, Friday, I was writing and I was finishing my very final version of my dissertation and I was so excited. I was like, this is it, this is it. Like when I send this email, I was attaching it and I'm like, when I send this email, This is done. This is the thing I've been waiting for for three years. You know, a few months ago, I had turned in my final version of all the paperwork I had to do for ordination. So this is like 300 plus pages of writing that I had to like come up with out of my own head. It's a lot of writing. And I turned it in and I sat there and I waited. I waited for the happiness to come because for three years I told myself I will be happy when this is over. Right. I will be happy. And let me tell you, I waited a long time because that happiness never just settled. It wasn't just, my sister said, are you so relieved? And I said, not really, (laughs) not really. And I was so surprised because I thought, well, it's done, the hard part's over. But the reality is I have to go before two boards and get grilled. Maybe I'll be happy when that's over, right? Maybe after that part's over, I can be happy, I can be free. But the reality is, it's probably not going to happen then either. Because I remember when we were adopting Maylee, and we went through all of these ups and downs, and I kept saying, I'll be happy when we get her. I'll be happy when she's in my arms. I'll be happy when I get to hear her voice for the first time. But then as soon as we got her, we knew we were going to have to take her to the doctors. And the seven surgeries later, it was, I'll be happy when this is done. I'll be happy when that is done. Happiness is a really an elusive concept, and it's something that we chase after in this world because guess what? Every commercial you watch, everyone, something underneath it is telling you you would be just happy if you bought that product. If you get your doctor to prescribe this medicine, you are going to be a lot happier, right? If you take our product daily, you are gonna be so much happier than you are right now. Your life is gonna get better. We chase happiness. Well, when we are looking at this verse, in Luke, we see a group of people, these shepherds, who have lived under a promise of a coming Messiah. they would lived under the promise that God was going to show up for them, that they just needed to wait. And when God showed up, everything would be better. And so for 400 years, generation after generation after generation just kept saying, just hold on, the Messiah is coming. And I can imagine they'd said, well, everything will be better when fill in the blank. When the Messiah comes, everything will be better. Now we have 2020 hindsight and we know that these people, although the shepherds were very happy when they heard the news that the angels shared, there's good news of great joy, the Messiah has come, right? But they thought they knew what that happiness meant. They thought it was gonna be this conqueror, it was gonna change everything immediately and that wasn't at all what they received. So when the angel says, I bring you good news that will bring you great joy, what is the angel talking about? The angel knew that this Messiah was not going to be what these people expected. The angel knew that they were not going to receive exactly what they wanted from God in that moment. So what was the angel speaking about? What good news of great joy were these people receiving? And how do we receive that same joy in our lives today? That's the question that I think a lot of us wonder about. And the answer to that question doesn't necessarily come from one verse in Scripture. It comes as we watch the entire life of Jesus. Because as you watch Jesus as an infant, as an older child, and then in his 30s when he came into ministry, was life perfect for the Son of God? No. Even for the Son of God, life was not perfect. People were against him. People literally hated him. People threatened his life. People threatened his friends. Every day was a risk, was a challenge for him. Yet, when you look at the life of Jesus, you see a constant state of contentment, a constant state of underlying joy that followed him wherever he went. So when you see the wholeness of his life, you see that even though he experienced the ups and downs that we experience as followers of Christ, that are part of every life because we live in a broken world, you see that Jesus didn't have the super highs and super lows that we tend to have as we follow the waves of this world, right? We follow, we get happy when we feel like there's an answer to our problem. We get happy when we've paid off a bill or we get happy when we have a raise or we get happy when our kid got an A on a test, you're pretty sure they were gonna fail. We have these moments of happiness, but they're fleeting. It's not a constant state that we live in, the state of happiness. I have known some people in my life who are a lot like Jesus in their state of happiness and their contentment. You probably can think of a few people who no matter what is happening in their life, they're here. They're good. They're okay. Their hearts may be hurting and they may be struggling some, but they still have this inherent bubbling of joy underneath everything that is happening. And you wonder, you wonder, How is it that they can experience this life and all that's been thrown at them and still be as good and okay as they are? Not good as in good girl, good boy, but good as in they're fine. It's going to be all right. How is it that they experienced that? I've wondered myself, I have a friend, she's currently getting cancer treatments right now, and and when I first knew her, we had children at the same time, and um, she had a child just before I had Brennan, and her daughter was born with all of these medical issues, and she was never, ever stable without constant care from her parents. She passed away when she was seven. And even through that time, my friend was so constant in her contentment. There were many days, when we struggled together. There were many days when she had grief and when she was struggling with the pain of having a daughter who couldn't ever live the life that she thought she would live, but still, even underneath that pain, there was contentment and peace. And now, a decade later, as she battles cancer in a hospital, I think, really, God? Really? Has she not been through enough? And even though she might have thought that one or two times herself, the underlying feeling in her life, the underlying presence of her being is contentment and joy. It is the ultimate testimony to a life lived with Christ and seeing her, and examining Jesus's life, and looking at friends who were similar to her, I have learned over time that there is a deep, deep difference between joy and happiness. I think we know this on an intellectual level, but we haven't taken it into our soul. See, we know that happiness is conditional, right? We know, we're not surprised. You're not surprised when I tell you that happiness is conditional. When you pay off the bill, you're happy. When you buy something and then get another bill, you're not so happy, right? But joy, on the other hand, joy is something that can be unconditional. It can undergird your entire life. Joy. Happiness is based on our circumstances. Joy is an attitude. It's an attitude that we choose. It defies our circumstances, right? Happiness and joy. Happiness is emotional. It's a feeling that we have in the moment. Joy, on the other hand, is a state. It's a way of being. Think about how Jesus was in the world. No matter what was happening, he had this constancy about his countenance. Happiness is temporary. Joy is constant. Happiness is external. Joy is internal. Happiness has to do with our environment. Joy has to do with God. And the thing that I want you to understand is that it's not just a choice you make. Because some people would want you to say, well, you just choose to be joyful. You can be happy up and down, but if you choose joy when you're upset, you will win. It's not as easy as that. I wish it was. If I could just say right now in the midst of the biggest grief that I've ever experienced in my entire life, I'm going to be joyful, how often does that work? It doesn't work. It's not something we ourselves can create. Instead, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So what does that mean? What is a fruit of the Spirit? The Spirit is something that comes and lives inside of us. And why does the Spirit live inside of us? Because Jesus came, Jesus died, and Jesus left the earth so the Spirit could come and live inside of us. See, good news of great joy the reason why there was good news and the reason why there was cause for joy that the angel was talking about is because Jesus came because Jesus died for our sin God sent the Holy Spirit to live and move and breathe inside each and every one of us you see we don't do life alone we do life in the Spirit and when Paul is talking to the Galatians what he's saying to them is that you no longer have to live the life you used to leave you no longer have to give in to sin. You no longer have to give in to temptation. You no longer have to give in to this constant up and down roller coaster life. Because as you live in the Spirit, you can experience the fruits of the Spirit. They're not things we choose. It's something that the Holy Spirit gives us as we put ourselves in the presence of God. We get joy, we get love, we get forbearance, we get peace, we get self-control. Who wants more self-control? All of us, right? And it's not something we can choose. Joe and I have been watching this show, and I don't, it's the stupidest show, but I don't, we've been watching, I mean, we're on season nine. I mean, obviously isn't that stupid, but it's called Life Below Zero, and it's about people who live in Alaska, and they are really strange, and they hunt things, and they, I don't know, but there's this one guy on the show. And every time he talks, he says, I like to do this because that means I don't need anybody's help to live. I can do everything on my own. I can hunt my own food. I can get my own water. I don't need another soul. And he's so proud of himself. He's so proud of this ability to take care of himself without any help. And isn't that the way the world wants us to live, right? Isn't that the way the world teaches us we matter? If we can take care of ourselves, if we can do everything for ourselves, if we never need help, then you're winning. But is that the way we were created? We were created to be in community, both with God and with others. We were created to help others and for others to help us. We were created to need the power of the Holy Spirit in us. You see, there's nothing that you can do, no amount of self-attenuation you can do in order to make joy be a constant in your life. The one thing that will help is if you put time in with God. You see, in order to get the fruits of the Spirit, we have to be attentive to the Spirit. We have to put ourselves in front of the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit can do work in us can change us from the inside out. That's a song Kyle sang for us today, right? We want to be consumed. We want to be changed from the inside out. That's not change we can do ourselves. There's no self-help book that'll make you do that. The Holy Spirit will do it for you. Isn't that so great? To know you don't have to figure it out, to know you don't have to do it on your own, to know that it's not on your shoulders to make this happen. The Holy Spirit wants to do it in you and for you. The Holy Spirit wants you to have a life of joy that pervades all things. But the only way we can do that is by spending time with the Spirit. And there's so many ways to do that. You can come to church. You can be with friends. You can study your Bible. You can do your Star Word. You can come and make art and worship God at the same time. And every time you put yourself in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit works on you. And I thought to myself, what if, now, that, now I'm what ifing, <laughs> it's never a good thing, but what if every time I had sat down before the computer to write any of those things I had to write, what if I saw it as an exercise in putting myself in front of God? What if every time you went to work, instead of thinking you're doing this to get a paycheck, every time you went to work, you said, I'm putting myself in the front of the Holy Spirit, use me, Holy Spirit, change me, Holy Spirit, mold me, make me. What if every time you were with your spouse and you're struggling together, instead of saying, help me, you say, change me, mold me, make me. Take this experience and use it to create in me the fruits of the Spirit. Parenting's the same. What, instead of looking at parenting or grandparenting as a way of leading other people, we saw it, as a way of the Holy Spirit working in and through us and teaching us and changing us. Wouldn't that change the way that we look at everything? Wouldn't that change the way that you look at that kid in your classroom who is obviously the child from somewhere we don't talk about in church? Well, we talk about it, but only vaguely, right? What if instead of looking at them as the difficulty they are, you saw them as a way of the Holy Spirit molding you and making you and refining you and changing you? Your coworker, who is always late, takes credit for all of your work. What if you saw them as a way for the Holy Spirit to refine you? See, happiness is conditional. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. When we give ourselves to God, when we put ourselves in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit teaches us, molds us, makes us, so that we can live in this world in a state of joy that is constant, no matter what is happening in our lives. The good, the bad. Constant. See, you get to go here from today knowing that that's a a reality from you. There's good news of great joy. You can live this life full of joy, no matter what you're experiencing, if you choose to let the Holy Spirit do work in you. That's available to you today. That's available to you today. I don't know about you, but it's awfully tempting to know that no matter what I'm experiencing in my life, I can have a steady state of contentment and joy. That's good news, my friends. That will cause great joy for all people. Imagine what this community would look like if all of us found joy constant. Imagine what your family would look like if you lived in a constant state of joy. Imagine what this world would look like if the two billion Christians gave themselves to the Holy Spirit in such a way that their lives were filled with joy during the ups and the downs. I want to live in a world like that. I think it's possible to live in a world like that. I hope you join me on the journey to joy. Let us pray. God, it is so hard not to to let our emotions take over our feelings. It's hard to experience joy in all things, in all seasons. But it is a promise you have given us in the Holy Spirit, God. And I pray that as we are in this series, you teach us, you mold us, you make us into people who experience joy through all seasons of life. Help us to know, Lord, what it means to live in the Spirit with the Spirit instead of in this world as the world does. It's in your name we pray. Amen.